can choose an image of someone from your past, mm -hmm. like somebody you went to high school with, and project that person so that when you look at them, you see that person that you knew from high school that you haven't seen in umpteen years. And they do that mostly because anytime they visit us, they have a protocol that they must follow. And the protocol is cause no fear, do no harm, leave no trace. Mm -hmm. And so the cause no fear is part of the reason for the screen memories. Mm -hmm. so they're trying to judge whether or not if you see them, you're going to panic. Mm. And they don't want that because they can't complete what they need to gather. They are cultural explorers. Mm. And they consider themselves, they use the phrase, gardeners of intellect. <gasps> wow, gardeners Isn't, of intellect. So they take intelligent beings and try to, like a gardener, plant those seeds in places and in niches or situations where they will bloom, prosper, multiply, and become the very best they can become. Wow. Gardeners of intellect. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. No, you cannot break some glass. <laughs> no, no breaking glass or moving furniture. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're off. And if you have a coughing fit, go in the next room. <laughs> oh my God. All right. If he does, I'll try and mute my microphone. I'll try and remember. He's okay. sitting on the other side of the room giving me a raspberry gun. <laughs> okay, we're off and running. Okay, here we Hello. go. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello, Otter. He's in the background. Hello and welcome to Accentuate the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, so wonderful to be with you again. And I've got the beautiful Sue Walker with me today and Otter in the background, moving furniture, breaking glass and giving his commentary. <laughs> the mystery man will soon make noises. I am not responsible for what comes out of that man's mouth. I will say that here and now. Thank you so much. Hello. <laughs> I know he's a wild card. Uh, <laughs> hello, gorgeous Sue. Thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, oh. look, your story is amazing. And re please remember for people listening and watching the show, if you like the show and the conversations we have, please share them and like and subscribe and all that good stuff and leave your comments. And when you do click, you know, like and subscribe, it does help the algorithms and it gets the messages out there. Mind you, you've been all over the internet on, on many radio shows, <clears throat> mostly ET, um, Sasquatch sort of focused. Mm, so probably not as many shows like mine, which have a broader focus of spirituality mm -hmm. and enlightenment and consciousness. So there will be some people that will not have seen you before okay. and heard your story. So it's exciting. I'm excited. Let me read your bio. <clears throat> Amazing, extensive bio. Sue Walker has been an internationally known clairvoyant, psychic and medical intuitive for over three decades. 
She has been featured on both national and international television and assisted many people, including the police, the FBI, CIA, CEOs, doctors, chiropractors, psychologists, inventors, actors, artists, and others from all walks of life. She has an extensive medical background, bachelors of science and pre-med, courseworker, EMT certification, Reiki mastery, hypnotherapy certificate, which includes anatomy, psych, uh, physiology, nutrition, chemistry, biology, emergency medicine, and extensive research into several forms of alternative medicine. She describes her psychic ability to see into people's body, which is deemed medical intuition, like being a walking CT scan. <laughs> now, I say all this because it's so similar to my experience. Uh, I, yeah, I learned all that. As well. I didn't work in emergency. I didn't work in mainstream hospitals and stuff like that. And I haven't assisted the FBI and CIA. So, But the... Um, you know, to be able to look into people's bodies, I think we can all, I think it's all, we can all do it and we'll all learn one day. A lifelong experiencer for the past five years, Sue has been translating, well, over five years now, isn't it, for a group of extraterrestrials mm -hmm. from the Zeta Reticuli 2 who operate out of the base, uh, out of a base beneath the Sandia Mountain on the eastern edge of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sue assisted in the first known collaboration with these beings who call themselves the Ponti, mm -hmm. uh, uh, spelt P apostrophe N T I, mm -hmm. on a basic training manual called the Telepathy 101 Primer, and co authored with her spouse, Reverend White Otter, who's in the background, the book Inviting ET. In 2013, when Sue was dating Reverend White Otter, she had a telepathic contact or communication with this group of ETs who live in the Sandia Mountain. This would be the beginning of something very special for humanity and an opening and reconnection with our, oh, I'm going to cry now, this is a little bit I put in, with our cosmic brothers and sisters and the Star Nation people. Oh, it's so exciting, Sue, really. And I've got a very enthusiastic um, member of our online tribe called Sarah Lint, who has sent me a million questions. Hi, Sarah. And she's excited. She was actually the person who, who showed me your story. She said, oh, wow, look at this. And when I looked at it, I realized I had seen you the year before on a documentary talking about Sasquatch. Yes. And um, so I want to talk about him too, because we're excited about him. Let's go over briefly. I know you shared, you shared your story many times. And if people go to your YouTube channel, you've got an extensive video, which I watched again last night, explaining exactly what happened. But let's just go into it briefly. You're dating Otter. You go over and hanging out, watching TV. What was happening? Well, I'd come down from the middle of the United States where it's agricultural land, corn and soybean and lots of farming and came and took the train uh, for a full day to get down to the desert southwest portion of the United States in New Mexico. And Otter had a home uh, in a suburb of Albuquerque and I had never been to New Mexico before. All I knew about this state when I came down initially was that one, it was the land of Roswell and right. that story. 
Um, two, it also had a number of government facilities that were very hush-hush, like Los Alamos or Sandia National Labs. And they had a reputation around the United States. I knew it was desert, and so I expected cactus and scrub and flat land, and boy, was I wrong. I had no idea that there were so many beautiful, old, just stellar kind of geological formations here. And so when I came to uh, Otter's home for the first time, um, I had planned to stay um, two or three weeks, depending on how we got along. And I had been here about 10 days, and it was very close to the fall equinox. And we were watching television one night, and we happened to be catching the end of one of the Got Talent sort of shows, okay? And we'd been following it for a couple of weeks and enjoyed a particular performer, and when he finished performing, I turned to Otter and I said, he was really good, I think he should win. And a voice popped up in my head that I had no idea was where it was, what was going on, but this male voice, very clearly as if it was somebody sitting on the sofa with us popped up in my head and said he was good I think he should win and without knowing how or why instead of knowing the voice was in the room with me because it was not my head spun around and I stared out our picture window east toward the Sandia mountain and again I have no idea how I knew, but I knew for certain that the voice was coming from inside the mountain. It came with a location and a directional sense, and I could point to the spot. And then after that, the voice went silent, and I went, what was that? And it didn't say anything more. And I thought, well, that was really strange. Well, the next day, I hear this same voice again. And the following day, I hear it a third time, same guy calm, male sounding, and every single time it came with this directional sense and distance sense of coming from beneath the Sandia Mountain. And I thought, what is this? And at at that point in time, I'd been in the paranormal, um, clairvoyant, uh, psychic uh, business for more than two and a half decades. And so I've done my share of ghost busting and uh, investigation of haunted houses. I know the feel of of spirit. Uh, I've had my share of really unusual experiences across the spectrum. This was not like any of that. Now, when I was young, I also was a contactee and experiencer. I, about age three and a half or four, is when I remember seeing a reptilian go through a wall in my bedroom. Wow. And in first grade, I had to sleep with the closet door closed because the small gray guys with the very large eyes would always come out of the closet in a group. And as an adult, I also had a great deal of experiences between 1998 and about 2000 and one, there was a cluster about three years where I would wake up in the backyard in my pajamas. I can't tell you how many craft I saw leaving and flying away from me, more than I can count, and and of varying different kinds. And for a long time, I went through quite a bit of fear with that then. 
and finally came to terms with it. Well, all of that had happened prior to meeting Otter. So when the voice came from beneath the Sandia Mountain, my logical brain said, well, there's only so many possibilities that I can think of in the land of Roswell and E.T. <laughs> that this might be, hmm. And so because I didn't have any more information, I didn't know what to do with it. And I was a little scared to ask Otter about it because here I was visiting his home for the very first time ever. And here's this lady from Iowa going to ask him about a strange disembodied voice that she's hearing sitting next to him in his living room. And I thought he would put me right back on the train and send me packing back home. But I got brave and I asked and I finally said, Otter, um, you ever uh, hear a voice coming from the mountain? I keep hearing this guy. And he went, oh, them. Oh, they talk all the time. They talk so much I have to tune them out. They, they started talking as soon as I moved in here in 2009. Why? <laughs> and so we started sharing what we were hearing from the guys underneath the mountain. For a year and a half, we spoke with the same male individual. Both Otter and I could hear him extremely clearly, just like you're hearing me now. Mm. It was not vague. It was specific. And it was like talking to your next door neighbor over the backyard fence. Mm. That's kind of what it felt like. We got a chance to know this guy. Mm -hmm. And because the voice came from beneath the Sandia mountain, mm. and in Spanish, the word Sandia means watermelon, because the, there's some topographical stripes on the top of the mountain. So I turned to Otter and said, you know, I hate to keep calling it the voice from the mountain. That sounds really dumb. I think I'll give it a nickname. It comes from the Sandia mountain, I guess. I'll, Sandia sounds like a name. I'll call it Sandia. Well, the guy behind the voice was listening to our conversation. And he piped up immediately and he said, Sandia, eh? Watermelon head. That'll work. <laughs> and I stared out the picture window again at the mountain and I went, who is this? Because clearly he had kind of a quirky sense of humor as well. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, all right. We got to talking with him and probably it was um, two months later. I came back down to visit Otter, gone back to Iowa and come back down to spend the, the holidays with him. And then when I went back home to Iowa, the voice didn't hear it. When I came back to Otter's home again, I started right up again, almost immediately. And at first it was once a day, and then once or twice a day, and then it got to be a regular neighborly thing. And we never knew when Sandia was going to pipe up again. But I finally got brave enough to ask him what his real name was and where home was. And the minute that I asked him, he answered and he answered in detail. He said, my real name is Dilkum, and he spelled it. And he spelled it T-L-K-M. And he said, home is the fifth planet orbiting the further of the two stars of the constellation of Zeta Reticuli. Or the, the constellation Reticulum and the, the system of Zeta Reticuli, which is a binary system. And he said, I manage 
a facility known as the Sandia Mountain Information Station. And it is managed by my people who call themselves the Ponte. Our planet is Pontel. And he spelled it P apostrophe N T L. And so we started learning about Sandia or Tilcom and his planet and why they were here. And about a year and a half after we had gotten to know Tilcom, he began introducing us to other members of his staff because he was not the only one working underneath the Sandia Mountain all by himself. We knew from telepathically talking with him that there were others like him that looked like him. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of waited for him to bring it up. We never pressed Tilcom for technology. We never quizzed him about um, advances in, in medicine or, or weaponry or, or propulsion systems. Because honestly, Otter and I did not want to give Tilcom the idea that we were trying to be friends with him to learn all that stuff. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get to know Tilcom and his people, the Ponte as a culture. Mm -hmm. We felt that that was more important. And okay. so... I've got, a few, I've got like a million questions. Oh, a I'm, lot of questions. Go I'm ahead. just going to stop you here for a second. So you said staff, not family. And I'm thinking Correct. working. Okay, they're working in the mountain. The question that arose is, you know, when you're talking about that area being the, the Roswell, you know, military government, blah, blah, blah. Do the earth government work with them? You, you said that they're in a base in the mountain and they're Correct. working and it's staff. Are they mm -hmm. working with humans? The Ponte, uh, the Ponte managed Sandia Mountain Information Station does not work with Earth humans. Okay. And I use the phrase Earth, Earth humans human. yeah. because the Ponte consider themselves human. Mm. They are a variation on the human theme. Mm. And they have told us very specifically, there are many types of humans in our galaxy and uh, a great many of them in this particular area of the galaxy. And we are just one genotype of right. many. Mm. And so uh, the, the Ponte do have interacted with earth humans, but mostly in crash site settings and survivors, that kind of thing. They do not, to my knowledge, actively work with any militaries or groups, research groups around the world that they have told us about. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that no star nations do. Mm. And you asked about the facility underground. Tilcom told us that the Sandia Mountain Information Station is part of or retrofitted into, it was his phrasing, the ancient tunnel system left over by the last age of man that runs north-south along the eastern edge of the Rocky Mountains. And he did tell us that the Sandia National Labs also has uh, some of their facility in that same ancient tunnel system and then we as earth humans over the last 50 some years have expanded tunnels under the ground, yeah. at least in the desert Southwest yeah. and added to the ancient system. 
Now, where it goes in, in the maps, I have a vague idea based on what Tilkman has shown us. <laughs> but other than that, um, we do believe that there are some star nation groups here in New Mexico working with Earth humans. But we, again, have not quizzed Tilcom about those and just decided to let him bring some of those things up. If they show us a star nation working with Earth humans, then because they brought it up, we're free to ask. Mm. So we, uh, we don't know the extent that star nations in the United States are working with groups here. That I don't know. I know that there is some, mm. but how extensive it is and which particular notions we have just a little bit of knowledge of. So let me ask you, do they know? Do they have access to that information? They seem to have access to a broad they do. spectrum of... Mm, we'll they do, and sometimes they're um, willing to share it freely and then sometimes not so much because they have not been given permission by the star nation that we are asking about. Right. Okay. So if another star nation is working with Earth humans and they have not given the Ponte permission to talk about them. Mm. Okay, and another question that arose while you were talking was when you said you hear them and it was different to how you, you perceive or hear or um, connect to um, spirit or mm -hmm. guides or, you know, other beings, what was different about it? When you heard his voice, was it like, because I'm only... I can only judge this from my own interaction. So interestingly enough, last night I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm lying in bed. I'm thinking, I wonder if I can connect with them. Not really getting any anything, right? And as soon as you come online, bang, I've got them there. And for me, it's the same, it's the same interaction I have in that it feels the same with most guides in that the telepathic, it's like, it's not a voice, but it's just thoughts in my head that I see that I know are separate from mine. That, that's how, mm -hmm. it, that's how mm -hmm. it feels to me. Mm -hmm. Is that how it feels to you? Is it just like your thoughts that you know are separate to yours or does it come as a voice that specifically sounds like, a vo like someone's voice? Um, it comes a number of ways. Um, I guess I would have to say whenever I connect with the Ponte, there's always an emotional feel to the person I'm connecting to. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty easy to tell the gals from the guys. Mm -hmm. It's um, very easy to hear a voice that is distinctly different in tone than mine with words that are different than mine. And it also comes complete with all kinds of images and can have maps, directional sense, um, depth, distance, um, uh, and what I call downloads of, of information. And what I mean by that is it's as if somebody takes a big chunk of information, carries it over to your brain while you're talking to them and goes plop. And yeah. suddenly you know a whole bunch of things yeah. that a moment before you didn't, and there's no five sensory reason for you to have that sudden aha, epiphany, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the knowingness and the details. Is amazing. And then if we ask, we get immediate responses back in detail yeah. about things. Whereas if I ask a spirit a question, 
Um, I don't usually get that kind of level of extreme detail just mm -hmm. automatically. The Pontees seem to be very upfront with information mm. when they're asked a question. Mm. I guess so. it depends on which spirits you're talking to, too. I guess it does. Uh, but, you know, uh, as, I, as you were talking about, I knew the location. So I have questions going on in my head and I'm getting yeah. answers as people Ask. are talking. I, I'm like, how do they know the location? It's like, you know, it's just a knowing. You do it all the time. I'm like, oh, it's just a knowing. It's just like you get a vision, you just know, you just have a knowing. Um, it's, so I get answers to the questions in my head before I ask you. So they just say, we do too. you know, we do it's too. just a knowing, you know, when you just get a knowing that you know it's in the mountain, you just know it's in the mountain. I'll go, oh, yeah, that's, that makes sense. <laughs> and so, okay. So let's go on. Look, on your website, and you've got a fabulous website, um, you've got this big thing. I'm not going to read out the whole thing of them saying why we are here. And uh, I, I just I, I want to read the first part because it's just mm -hmm. relevant to, to everyone but to what I'm going through at the moment. If you want to understand why we are here, all you have to do is understand first that you live on one of the most beautiful water planets in this part of the galaxy. Your oceans are legendary. Your world is blessed with an abundance you take for granted. Places where water comes out of the ground, pure, are sacred. And we don't understand when earth humans want to own water, when earth humans don't care about that they throw tons and tons of garbage into their water. They don't understand they don't understand the Ponte Donut. You don't understand that your oceans are the lifeblood of your world and you're poisoning them. Oh, it makes me cry. <laughs> Made me cry when they told us. You don't understand without pure water, you aren't going to survive this, guys. It's all about the water. For star nations, for us coming here, it's all about the water. That's it. That's the reason. And anyway, it goes on. Oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. That was teeny, and that was one of the first radio broadcasts that we did. And um, she asked to speak, and she blurted out all of what you just read. And sometimes when I translate quickly for them, because they go on from one thing to the next to the next to the next, I don't always retain everything or can digest things that they said. So I had to go back and re-listen to what she said and it brought tears to my eyes too mm. it is all about the water water means life yeah and when people any people no matter what they look like leave their home world to go explore the galaxy sometimes they look for minerals and things like that but a lot of times they're looking for life and water planets mean life so the website where people can go and read more of this is called official, let me have a look, official firstcontact.com. Con, first mm -hmm. And on there you've got all the stuff. You call them stuff. When I looked at them, I first felt family. And then when you said, you know, it's the stuff that because it's a base and I kind of thought, right, that they're working there. That's not where they live. They're just, they're working. They're here on earth working. And you've got, uh, well, let me see, we have a six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You've got about 20 people, 20 uh, Ponte on there with their That's name. It's about 10% of their population right now. There are, over two, there are over 200 of them over there now. Okay. And they continue to bring in 
more what they they use the word trainees to train other Ponchi to go visit Earth humans who are requesting visits. And wow. so these Ponchi, the images and the faces that you see there, are known literally in several dozen countries around the Earth because people have uh, downloaded the Telepathy 101 primer and studied it and practiced and then invited the Ponte to come visit them and have received a successful visit. And then they in turn get a hold of us at the website or on Twitter and tell us about that visit and if they have gathered evidence of the Ponte visiting them, then they share that evidence on the evidence page on Official First Contact. So if you go to the evidence section of officialfirstcontact.com, you'll see everything, uh, videos of landing sites and swirled grass to soil samples people have found in their beds to fingerprints that they've uh, noticed on their windows or walls or uh, to the objects that have been moved or shifted to video of craft in the sky. And you can also hear audio now of two of the Ponte speaking into a microphone, stating what we asked them to say. Mm. And then Tilcom came and said something into a microphone in another phone. Mm. And so, uh, I, I was about a year ago, we asked the Ponte, listen, the people that are inviting you want to know for sure that it's you, not just any star nation. Let's come up with a password so that they know it's you. What kind of a password would you like to come up with? And so together, we came up with a single phrase, what's up? Mm. All right. The Ponte suggested that. We put it out on Twitter one of the regular people here in the United States that has received visits from the Ponte is a man in Florida. He set up a microphone in front of his computer and put a note on it and said, the microphone is on. If you'd like to say something into it, that would be great. Um, if you don't mind, please say what's up. Thank you and have fun. 11 hours later, we got our first capture of them saying what's up. Mm. I have to say, I listened to that on your website and um, it's not that clear. The, the when he whispers something else, it's clearer, but it's not that clear. And then you've got to remember that they don't actually speak verbally. They speak telepathically. So their verbal prowess is not That's right. uh, very good. Correct. And They so can whisper. They, can, they whisper. can make any mouth sound that you and I can yeah. make that doesn't involve the vocal cords. Yeah. Do they have vocal cords? Yes, they do. Right. But they are unpracticed muscles. Right. So they've atrophied. So the vocal yes. cords are sort of like, and they'd have to, they'd have to, yeah, to bring a bit like our psychic abilities of atrophied, right? So Correct. in order to get them back online, we have to practice like it's like Correct. building a muscle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Sarah, That's I just, right. I just want, Sarah said, you know, oh, thank you so much for the telepathy 101 manual. It's so nicely written and pacing is very pleasant as well. So she's, she's studied it. I had a bit of a look at it last night because there's a lot going on in my world right at the moment. So yeah. I haven't had a lot of time to, to really read it. Uh, but anyway, that's just something I wanted to say. 
Sarah wanted to say. She's got a million questions here. But one yeah. of the questions I have for you is um, when I was watching your uh, video, which is called I Listened to the Sandia Mountain Ponty Worldwide CE5 Contact 2019. That's what that it's called on, mm -hmm. on YouTube. You talk about them coming uh, physically and, and yes. many of your experiences, you know, seeing them physically. But what I noticed is that they they don't stay. It's not like they hang out for a cup of tea or play chess with you. They just sort of like pop in and out. What, why is that? Well, all right. The visits are varied lengths depending on what they need to do uh -huh. and what their schedule is that night. So if a crew and a small ship that they travel in, uh, the most common size that they do with their missions is what they call a skipper ship that holds a complement of usually six crew members easily. Mm -hmm. And skipper ships have a route that they go and, and various tasks that they have to accomplish. But if someone has invited them, they'll come and stay for a little while, gather information that they need to gather, investigate, and then go back and take that information back. The information that they gather from visiting us is, is collated and correlated and saved. So essentially, if you invite the Ponte to come visit you, they'll create essentially a file on you right. so that when another mission crew comes to visit, they have a reference as to what's gone on previously with visits to you at your home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've answered this before, but um, so why are they in the base? What are they doing? Are they observing humanity? What's their mission? Um, the, there are four, to my knowledge, four land-based information stations that are specifically for star nations. And so when another star nation comes to Earth and needs information about anything, uh, whether it's where their people are or uh, what's gone on or the current um, uh, technology levels or uh, uh, recent events on this planet, the information stations provide them with that. It's kind of like the control tower, so to speak. Those information stations on land act as uh, a place for terrestrial or um, star nations that walk on land like we do to go. But 75% of the star nations that visit our world aren't here to visit us. They're here to go into our oceans. They visit the sentient peoples in our oceans. Mm -hmm. And so there are four information stations that are Ponte managed that are aquatic. And one of them is right down by you. It oh, is, really? Where? Uh, it is um, off of the eastern coast of Australia. Um, they call it the Tasman Sea Base. Oh. So it's within the Tasman Sea. And there's a tunnel that goes from the Tasman Sea Base underneath the Australian continent. And I think that there is a short extension to New Zealand. But some of that area geologically is not as stable. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, New Zealand's got a lot of volcanoes. Okay, so it's kind of, when you say eastern, it's, it's southeastern. So the Tasman Sea is south. 
um, between Tasmania and Australia and, and, and yes. New Zealand's quite south as well. If you look at it on the map, it's quite mm -hmm. south. I think Auckland is almost just a little bit south of where we are in Sydney, but the rest of New Zealand is... Mm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's sat down But it, was, it would take them less than 10 minutes to power up a ship and get from where they are at that base to you. Yeah. Wow. Very quick. So they have the ability to dematerialize and rematerialize matter, including their physical form. So they can just think about where they want to be and then they're there or do they have you to... You know, that's a really it? fair question. And Otter and I have had discussions about whether or not some of that materialization, dematerialization is, one, a shift in light spectrum into invisibility so that it goes beyond our visual spectrum beyond our, yeah. so that they're still there but we just can't see them yeah right. or whether that's a technological ability of let me take you from your bedroom up to our ship and how do you get a, an occupant of a home to go with you from their bedroom upwards how does that occur um and then we've had some people ask if it's an innate ability as in, can they just think about it and do it? Mm -hmm. And I don't think I have a complete answer mm -hmm. on all of that. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we see them shifting light spectrum when they visit people in order to remain unseen because you can see the shimmer shadow um, going by. And when I say shimmer shadow, if you picture heat coming off of hot pavement mm -hmm. and the air shimmers, mm -hmm. That's the effect that you see moving through your home. If you um, pay attention, you can catch it. Um, but whether that ability is simply an innate ability like the Sasquatch have, or whether it's a technological assisted ability, I don't have one distinct answer on that. So the jury is still out. Hmm. I get both depending mm -hmm. on what you want to do, is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to talk about the cloud chips because Dave and I, a friend of mine, we go walking and he's always saying, I've never seen ET. And I'm like, you've got to look at the clouds and just like focus on the clouds. They're behind the clouds. Anyway, um, you've got a lot on the cloud chips, but I'm going to get into some of Sarah's questions because she's got a lot of them here. Okay. How long have the Ponte been observing the human race? They have records that go back 160,000 years. Wow. And as now, you that, say, not all of those records are theirs. Yeah. They're combined star nation records. But right. clearly we know that they have been at this facility in the desert southwest for at least 5,000 years plus. Mm, mm, mm. They were and here as, well before we were. As you say, they're not really so much observing us, although they do, but it's more about her, the Gaia, and her other, you know, like we think it's all about us. We think, oh, it's all about us humans. But there's so much more yeah. on this planet, like the cetacean life and the natural mm -hmm. fauna and flora and, and just the way that you look. There's so much more to observe. It's not just all about us. Have they been watching us throughout history? I think you've just answered that. What do they think about our progress? <laughs> they're frustrated. Um, <laughs> they're they're uh, in some ways embarrassed. In some ways, they yeah. it's like a PhD looking at a kindergartner, okay, and going, oh, nice little human. <laughs> um, so there's a variety of responses depending on the personality type of who you ask. But what True. do they think of us? They're very concerned that 
we've reached the technological age of poisoning our own planet to advance our technology. And they're concerned about, they, they became very concerned over the past century with the development of nuclear weaponry. Mm. Because again, of the poisoning of the planet, not just for us, mm. but for all life. But for all life in the cosmos too, because I've had many Correct. conversations with people who said, you know, you explode a bomb, it just doesn't affect your world. Or it affects every world that's, you know, that's in true. this universe. And she says here from an 11-year-old, uh, a son chimed in after dad asked the above questions, what do they think? What, what does he say? What they think of, do, we, do they think we fight a lot? They said. Yes, <laughs> they think that um, as a culture, Earth humans need to grow up a little yeah, and be more mature in their interactions with one another. When you have a telepathic nation, telepathic nations, you can't lie. You just yeah. can't hold a lie. So honesty and truth are revered characteristics and a nation that does not communicate honestly with truth in the best of its ability, in a right-minded way, that's their phrasing, right-minded versus wrong-minded. So uh, right-mindedness is thinking about others, mm. thinking about the future, thinking sure. about how things are for everything. What did so, Otis say? What'd you say, hon? I said selflessness. 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 Good word. Yeah, and the mystery the, man the, speaks. This mystery man speaks and the little other, the son, the little 11 year old, he's got more sense than most humans, I think, uh, adults, I should say. What do they like to do for fun, he says? Oh, they love, they love music. They love dancing. They love art. Um, they love food. They love cooking. Food. Uh, they love. So they eat. Well, yeah, sure. They're mammals. But, you know, like a lot of mammals on our planet, they, their diet is pretty um not not a lot of variety in their diet like humans have this vast variety of what they eat but like cows eat grass and you know like you know right. they don't have a lot of variety so they they i would imagine that the star nations have less variety in their diet than humans that's what i would say it depends on the star nation okay now the ponchi are what they term pescatarian meaning they will eat some fish they do not eat octopus because octopus are sentient they oh. do not eat cetaceans because whales and dolphins are sentient. No squid. All right. And fish are so not sentient? They are in not in the same kind of way. Okay. Um, there is a gradation scale mm -hmm. of communication. But uh, red-blooded animals, four-footed animals, uh, avians, poultry. All sentient. Have, right. And, fish right. and what about sharks? <sighs> I would assume that that's part of the sentient aquatic nations. Okay. Okay. Poor old otter in the background. He's not having fun. So are they like to eat? They like to cook for transportation. Do they use their minds or do they have their own vehicles? I can't, I've asked that question. Is it like public transportation? <laughs> they will travel to areas if they have, if, if there's a, a weather model, uh, a, a team monitoring the weather, a weather monitoring team, looking at some of the extreme weather events around the world. And they're up in the sky watching what's going on and taking measurements. 
will they, when they get bored, telepathically tap into somebody that's beneath them? Sure. All the time. Right. Will they ping you? That's their word for telepathically tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hi, to see if you pay attention and to see if you respond and to see if you respond without fear and politely. So to someone who's bipping along, walking along and has not necessarily uh, calls themselves, I think everyone's psychic, but they don't really, they're not aware of their psychic abilities. What would it feel like for them to be pinged? Some of our uh, experiencers first describe um, a, a ringing in their ears kind of sensation. Right. Some of them have the goosebump or um, hair on the back of their neck sort of response. Okay. Some of them feel a butterfly effect in their tummy. So some of them have a deja vu almost, sort of something just shifted, but I'm not sure what right. feeling. Right. Um, a number of people who have spent a great deal of time in meditation very clearly hear them from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, we also have noticed that people who have had near-death experiences seem to pick them up very quickly and easily. Yeah. And so I think anything that enhances uh, what you and I would term psychic ability, extrasensory ability, enhances that kind of reception. And so what does it feel like for some people? It feels like an emotional connection. I have had a number, probably half a dozen men around the world describe to me when uh, one of the Ponti, who's a gal whose name is Druti, when Druti came to visit them, their first immediate feeling was such an overwhelming feeling of love that it dropped their jaw. They didn't even know what to do with it. Mm. Some of these big burly guys started to cry. Mm. It was so overwhelming to them. And that was their first indication that Druti had come to say hello. Um, sometimes they'll come visit you and not say anything in your home until you notice them. And then you can get a dialogue started. So occasionally they come here and are very quiet until we notice them and go, oh, hey, come on over, sit down. So when you say they come, are mm -hmm. they coming by projecting their consciousness? Or they, are they can, coming but a lot of times they just physically show up in their physical body, but their physical body is vibrating at a frequency that is not so available to the physical senses, the physical eyes. I think it would be fair to say that they have found a way to uh, narrow the spectrum mm -hmm. that they can be seen at. Mm -hmm so that they are just out of our visual spectrum range. Like the Sasquatch can do. Yes. Yeah. Only the Sasquatch's ability is innate. I just don't know if the Pondi's ability is uh, innate or assisted, that I'm just not sure. What about dogs? Sarah was saying that I was thinking, uh, I'd like to mention the unusual behavior of my dogs when I did a, a CE5. Do the animals pick up? Oh, very, very quickly, very clearly. Mm. And most of the time that the animals are friendly, um, if they're not trained as guard dogs, 
they're not a problem. If the Pontee sense that a, a pet or an animal would be a difficulty or be afraid or cause a problem, they put it to sleep oh. and keep it asleep during their visit. Wow. And in fact, they can visit you, but if there are other people at your home, I can put them to they sleep. can keep them asleep <laughs> and just have you awake. That, you know, you. with great power comes great responsibility. Like they have, this is, this is where humanity is, is going wrong. So we, we don't have that responsibility because like, there's too much like negativity on this planet to be able to have the power to do what they can do to humans. You know, some people would use that power nefariously instead. Correct. Of, um, yeah, it's fascinating. So, you know, the way I see it is that apart from being here for earth, for her, what they're helping us with is to advance our consciousness in that our telepathic abilities, like you say, when we do become more intuitive and telepathic, we do have to stop and drop the line because now we can, I, I said this to a girlfriend I went to school with once. Um, she didn't understand how, how telepathic and psychic I was. I said, yeah, I know exactly what you're thinking all the time. And she looked at me, she was so afraid. I said, yes, I know when you're lying. And she's like, damn, <laughs> She used to lie a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. When everyone knows you're lying, you've got to stop the lying. So We've had to remember that when the Ponte or any telepathic nation interacts with you, in order to help you not be afraid of them, sometimes they will search your thoughts and your memories for an image of something that they can project yeah. for you to see yeah. that you won't be afraid of. Yeah. And so we call those screen memories. Mm -hmm. And a screen memory can be, if I don't want you to be afraid, I can portray myself if I'm Ponty as a great big tall four foot bunny mm. or a squirrel mm. or an owl. Um, I've had them or a clown or a clown, but oh. not usually a clown. Mm. They, they can choose an image of someone from your past, mm -hmm. like somebody you went to high school with and project that person so that when you look at them, you see that person that you knew from high school that you haven't seen in umpteen years. And they do that mostly because anytime they visit us, they have a protocol that they must follow. Mm -hmm. And the protocol is cause no fear, do no harm, leave no trace. Mm -hmm. And so the cause no fear is part of the reason for the screen memories. Mm -hmm. so they're trying to judge whether or not if you see them, you're going to panic. Mm. And they don't want that because they can't complete what they need to gather. They are cultural explorers mm. and they consider themselves, they use the phrase gardeners of intellect. <gasps> wow. Gardeners Isn't, of intellect. So they take intelligent beings and try to, like a gardener, plant those seeds in places and in niches or situations where they will bloom, prosper, multiply and become the very best they can become wow. gardeners of intellect. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. The concepts that they have taught us that go beyond this planet have just dropped our jaw. Yeah, it has 
become a body of information. And now it's not just Otter and I providing this information. They visit so many people around the world now mm -hmm. that those people are asking their own questions mm -hmm. and recording what the Ponte tell them. And now we're pooling that information and sharing it. And some people are just absolutely have had their lives changed yeah. by the Ponte's interaction Co with them. Cooperation. That's, you know, you know, Susie Hansen, who is an experiencer from New Zealand. Yes. Amazing. Uh, that's when she asked a, a being on a ship, you know, what can you do to help me? Uh, what's the most important thing I need to know? And he goes, cooperation, um, you know, so to cooperate with the information that you get with others. And that's mm -hmm. what you're doing. So mm -hmm. before you and Otto were talking to them, they were obviously talking to others. Do you know who mm -hmm. that was? Did you ask them who they were talking to? Yes. And in fact, we've met some of those people. Um, there are a number of Albuquerque natives right. who have described interaction with the Ponte um, from the 60s and 70s. Mm. Uh, one of our friends is Gloria Hawker. She was uh, written about in uh, the UFO uh, author's book. Uh, Bud Hopkins wrote about Gloria Hawker and she, from her teen years, had the Ponte interact with her. And then when she had her own family, her children were interacted with. And Gloria, uh, after she retired, I believe, had an accident and was injured and could not get out of bed easily. And she had family coming to help her do things, but she was laying in bed and uh, trying to drift off to sleep after the accident. And about an eight-foot circle on her wall at the foot of her bed dissolved and she called shimmers and sparkles mm. and five ponte walked through the wall and surrounded her bed and took away some of her pain and tried to help speed her healing up mm. and she was never given their names never even thought to ask their names they left but she knew that they were the same individuals that she'd been working with and seeing right. and seeing their craft her whole life. Okay. After I'd started drawing the Ponte, I sent her a picture of Jeruti. And I, we were talking on the phone. She opened it up in her email as we were talking. I heard her gasp and start to cry. Mm. She said, this woman, please, 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 would you please have her come back and talk to me? I want to tell her thank you. Mm. She recognized her. And a number of people around the world have recognized the Ponte because of the portraits that they asked me to draw. Yeah, of course. If people haven't seen the website, like the drawing behind me, this is your art. You're amazing. When we were chatting on Facebook, you showed me a picture. You said, they've helped me with my art. And you said, this was my first one, which I thought was pretty amazing. And then you sent me another one. Let me show you. Uh, let me play with these screens. Uh, did I? Uh, this was like one of your latest ones. That's Drudy. That was one of the latest ones. Beautiful. Right? That's Drudy. That was the gal that Gloria Hawker had asked, uh, recognized, and asked to come talk to her again. And she's been visited by several Ponte. She actually um, speaks with their entomologist a number of times. Um, but yeah, the, when I first started drawing the Ponte, I had not 
That was the first one. That was the first oh, one. You can't two. really see it. I'll yeah, put, you I'll can't see it. it as, right. Yeah. But I had not drawn anything in 40 years when they asked me to begin doing these sketches. And what they said was that there is a signed treaty that was signed in 1971. Next year is the 50th anniversary of the treaty. And the treaty specifically forbid them to provide video and photographs and technology. And so what Tilcom told me was, we cannot give you photographs. However, there's nothing in the treaty that says that a contactee cannot draw what they experience or who they meet. And so I began sketching and had them come correct me when I was not right. And so over the last five years, because I think I did that first sketch of Tilcom in 2015, late. So it's been five years now that I've been drawing and there's just night and day difference between the way I started and the things that are coming off of my uh, sketch pad now. I think that's just fascinating that there's a treaty that you, you can't photograph them. Uh, um, because, you know, so many people who are skeptics about ET contact go, why isn't there any clear photographs? You know, why don't they just show up and you can take a photograph of them? You know, so many people have said that. And when you shared that with me on Facebook, I'm like, well, that answers the question, <laughs> doesn't it? Because there's a treaty that you can't. Is there a reason that there was a treaty that you couldn't? When does it, August um, so, next year, you said, August this year? Right, um, end, of, uh, end of August of 2021 One. is when the treaty ends to our knowledge. And when we first met Tilcom, before we met any of the other members of the Ponte uh, Sandia Mountain Information Station, Tilcom used the phrase that Earth's official first contact, that was, those were his words, was coming up in 2021 and when he said that my jaw dropped and i said you said what he said earth is approaching its official first contact organized by the star nations that visit your world and they're not waiting for military disclosure of technology or who's got what and who can do what and who's what what kinds of ships and how many the star nations themselves are organizing um, their own official reveal and all we have as far as a date is concerned is fall of 2021. Mm -hmm. They have not been any more specific than that. We have fleeting glimpses of locations mm -hmm. that they may choose to visit but their concern is they do not want to show up en masse in hundreds of ships and have earth humans be afraid that it's an invasion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the idea that they've presented is a single ship with representatives from the nations that wish to share with us to all be together mm -hmm. at the same time. So we're not meeting just the Ponte. We're meeting well, the Ponte and the Umo. And, and have you met Kevin Briggs in your travels? I have uh, not. Oh, I've got to, you, you guys got to talk. So I had him on the show and he's had 
uh, he's in his 60s now. He's had contact all his life. And, and he said up until a couple of years ago, he thought he would go to his grave and never tell anyone except his wife and his brother and his best friend. And they said, no, we want you to write a book. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. Anyway, he is one of the puzzle pieces in <coughs> contact too. And he gave me a date at the beginning of this year that they were going to come and talk to the UN. And it didn't happen. And apparently 10 years ago, they tried to organize something like that too. But I do think that it is, um, there is a, that humanity needs to shift before they, uh, there is a requirement that humanity needs to be at a certain place in order to be able to receive them. And we haven't, we've been a bit like Susie says, stagnant water, you know, in our evolution of consciousness. And so whatever anyone can do that's listening to this or watching this to help people raise their consciousness, do forgiveness, feel more loving, be more positive, be more open-minded, it's so important. That, that's why um, they wrote the Telepathy 101 primer and yeah. shared it with us. And after that was um, published online in December of 17, within three months, we had volunteers translated into a dozen major earth languages Fabulous. so that people around the world could read it in their own language, study it with their friends and invite the Ponte or other star nations mm -hmm. by the suggested protocol in the back of the primer. And it explained about telepathic nations and how we as earth humans can improve our telepathy and start to learn to trust it better because mm. like you said earlier it's a muscle that we just most of us did not develop that's as right. we were growing up mm -hmm. that's not entirely true across all cultures on mm -hmm. this planet mm -hmm. but uh, like it indigenous. certainly is involved it was for me yeah yeah so i needed to practice and and as you say the other people that were yakking with them were obviously the indigenous have always known about them being there the american native american indians they're like oh yeah like a bit like otter oh yeah chatting to those blokes all the time <laughs> okay some more questions from sarah what's it like inside the mountain big um, um miles and miles and miles and miles of tunnels we've been allowed to see several places we've been allowed to see inside the hangar bay one of the control rooms, um, glimpsed into the medical area, seen inside of two of the staff members' sleeping arrangement areas, and a couple of observation lounges. Other so than that, all we see is hallways, lots of hallways. The images I'm getting, the image I thought it would be like, look, look like a rocking, but I'm getting like smooth, like cement, and very sparse. Mm-hmm like not mm -hmm. a lot of stuff oh, it depends on that. whether it's part of the ancient tunnel systems old large um smooth walls or whether it's the smaller areas uh, if you uh, look at what we as earth humans have built there are smaller tunnels mm. that connect to the ancient tunnel system mm -hmm. but most of the areas beneath the sandia mountain and then there are spokes going out from the set uh, from the Sandia, almost like it's the middle of a wheel, to other small mountain areas outside of there within, say, 10, 15, 20 miles. And so there are tunnels that run like a, a spokes that go east and west and connect to other facilities. 
the Ponte have let us know that there are other facilities that the environment of that facility can be controlled. So the atmosphere can be changed, the, the uh, gravity can be altered slightly, the, the environment can be made conducive to whatever star nation needs to be housed in that facility. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you've just said something that they just told me. That, um, uh, okay, does everyone live all together or do they have individual homes and live in their own small family groups? It depends. Not all of the Ponte that work at the information station come from the home planet. Their culture has been exploring this galaxy mm -hmm. for a long, long, long time. And I know that some of them describe other places that they grew up that was not Zeta Reticuli too. Mm -hmm. They also have let us know that what you might term pure blood genetics, they're all blends of mm -hmm. things. Like are not Yes. Yeah. So it can be a blend of cultures mm -hmm. or a blend of Zeta physique or body types. And so it really depends on um, where they grew up as to which culture amongst the plethora of them that are under the, the umbrella of what it's like to be Ponte. Just like our world has a plethora of cultures and languages and other things. Luckily, their culture is all synced because of the telepathic contact. Yeah. So yeah. it makes life easier and it makes, it made their <sighs> own official first contact much easier because when they had their official first contact on Pontel, the visiting star nation said, hi, we're your next door neighbors, you know, from this star system, can we come meet you? And all of them went, oh, hi, sure, come on down. And it really was not difficult because the emotional honesty and the telepathy provided them with the understanding of whether or not the star nation that met them was dangerous, not dangerous, right-minded, wrong-minded. And so everything was facilitated with their official first contact, because we are not a telepathic nation no. innately, easily. It's a little harder for us. I've, I've said this uh, many times on the show. It's something that rocked my world many years ago and I read the Seth books and I was reading the information coming mm -hmm. through those and he said, they said, the consciousness said, uh, that you all communicate telepathically, but you just don't know it. And they said, mm -hmm. you couldn't drive on your roads Correct. if you didn't. And I remember thinking, oh, wow. And so just that awareness that we're actually already doing it. That's the thing with, with intuition and psychic ability. We all do it. We're just not aware that we do it. And so when we put our awareness on that we're doing it, then, then that awareness expands and our abilities expand. So that statement, you know, mm -hmm. 20, 30 odd years ago, and I read that made me aware that I was already doing it when I was driving the car. I was thinking, yeah, you do know what people are thinking, like, oh, this idiot's going to do this. And, you know, you kind of, you've got this telepathic communication going on. And sometimes right. you look and you know someone's looking at you. And, you know, it's just really interesting that we're, we're doing it. Okay, so this is something that Sarah said, which is hilarious, because I haven't read the book uh, yet. 
totally hilarious part in the book where Sue shares some of the questions the Ponte have asked her about us. <laughs> Does shaving hurt? Are there, are, these, are there rules to follow when you shave? Mm -hmm. How do you know when, what pattern to make on your face? Mm -hmm. I guess they're hairless pretty much, aren't they? So they don't know mm -hmm. about our hair. They love touching our hair. In yeah. fact, it's not unusual that I feel one of the new people just want to stroke it. And they literally said, what do you do with the hairs in your hairbrush? Throw them in the bin. Like I know, and and uh, that's what I told them, and I they went, you do, <laughs> like they I like I'd done something wrong. They were they just they are enamored with beautiful hair. They <laughs> really enjoy that. They wanted to know if tattoos were a leadership display. Tattoos were a, a leadership dis display. Do people get tattoos because they are leaders? Is it a leadership display? And then we had to say, no, not really. Not anymore. Now it's common. And yeah. it's an artistic expression. Then they understood that. Well, I guess in Indigenous cultures, it might have been. Uh, it may tattoos. have been originally, yes. Yeah, for sure. A leadership right. display and, and, and different, yeah, displays of... Um, hierarchy and stuff uh, yes. according to the tattoos right uh, and they've been watching us for so many years what else did she put here um how do you know what pants to make on your face i said that uh is kidding only for kids all right is kidding only for kids or can anyone tease here on earth <laughs> that yes. was such a cute question. and and they had they've had to ask what acceptable forms of humor in public and in private and how to understand the difference. So the way that you would tease somebody that you've just met is very different than the way that you might tease your best friend of 20 years, okay? And so then we had to have the discussion about words that are proper to use in public versus phrases that you only use in private because they are not acceptable by everyone. Yeah. And that discussion, um, and then um, humor and sarcasm has been a real hard one for them to understand. Mm. How do you know when poking fun at someone crosses the line to unacceptable? So we've had, again, cultural discussions about language yeah. and sharing information that they never had to do because they're a telepathic nation. They never had to run into these questions. Yeah. Because, you know, telepathy is very connected to empathy too. So mm -hmm. you understand the gist of the conversation by the way it feels, whereas mm -hmm. as humans, we can get in trouble because if you're not feeling the intent, then words can be completely misconstrued, which is what we intent do all the time everything. as humans. Yes, God. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Intent is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you do with the foil from the Hershey kisses after you eat them? <laughs> <laughs> what what uh, does the opening go in the front or the back of men's underwear <laughs> hang on where have you gone I'm that not... was a serious question and that was a question coming from the trainees and they wanted to know what it was refuse wise that had to come out of the opening whether it was liquid or solid and that's why they were asking because they didn't want to get it wrong. 
And then we had the question of, well, does the tag go in the back or the front? Well, now on guys' briefs, it can be either way. Yeah. Because you can see a little logo on the front or it can be in the back on the inside. And yeah, so we've had to say it depends, but this is, the, this is what it should look like when it's worn. And that helps them. So we give them a visual image and then follow up with any explanation we need to after that. They must be a bit like me. There must be a plethora of questions they're asking you. They must be so oh fascinated God. about us. Sometimes their questions just make us roar, just roar. And they actually are a nation that has a humor not dissimilar to ours. Mm -hmm. They love double and triple entendres. So if a phrase means two or three different things with two or three layers of meaning, they think that's all kinds of fun. Mm -hmm. And so pranks, they are not above playing pranks. And in fact, um, we've had a number of experiencers um, who have tried playing pranks on them and had the Ponte play pranks back. Mm -hmm. And so we've had that go on. Um, they're very curious about our foods. Um, we had a friend, uh, an experiencer down in Brisbane. Mm. Um, he actually was a, a um, podcast host and he was um, a co-host to a show that he was the experiencer and the believer and the other co-host was the skeptic. skeptic. Mm -hmm. And during our, our interview with them, the skeptic said, yeah, well, they can come visit me anytime they want. That'd be okay. Like he didn't believe it was going to happen. 11 days later, his wife was woken up in the middle of the night with a Ponty standing right next to her. Freaked her out. She grabbed at the Ponty and in the tussle ended up with a piece of their uniform under her fingernails. She ran downstairs, her husband was there, and she said, you gotta stop all this stuff, da, 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 and she explained to them what was happening. And our, the experiencer co-host happened to be at their home at that time, and they were talking about whether or not it was just a dream on her part or if it was really real. And they called me from Brisbane and said, I have a question for you. And I said, okay, what? If the Ponte visited so-and-so at their home, what would they be wearing? And so what color? we had, and, and yeah, describe it, what color? And so we had to ask Drudy, the gal that you saw the picture of, to contact the Tasman Sea Base and ask them. And then she relayed it back to me. And, and the answer was, it looks like a black wetsuit only made of, um, soft stretchy material that's matte it doesn't have a shine to it it has an opening in the front that looks like a zipper it's not but it looks like one that can either be black or white comes down to the ankles or to the wrists and down to the ankles and it's a one piece does not have a hood so we relayed this information and that's exactly what the gal described that the ponty next to her that she woke up to was wearing exactly, and so wow. uh, that ex that uh, co-host had the Ponte visit him at his home. He and his wife were watching television one night, 
and in their pantry, they heard a commotion. And the door to the pantry bumped open like somebody had hit their head against it. And they both jumped up and walked over and the only thing disturbed in the pantry was a box of Pop-Tarts from the United States that he had purchased here and taken back to Australia for his children. It was laying on the floor open and one of the foil packages pulled out, but not open. And so he thought, huh. So he took the Pop-Tart out of the foil package, put it into a baggie and hung it up outside in the backyard in a tree with a note in it. Said, dear Ponty, sorry that you had a problem trying to get the Pop-Tarts here. We'll make it easy for you um, and, and you know, have a good time. The next morning he came out and the baggie was still in the tree, empty. Mm-hmm. The note was still inside of it, but the baggie had been resealed. Wow. So it wasn't chewed through by a raccoon. It wasn't gotten to by a wallaby. It was retrieved and resealed. He has had a number of experiences, and, and this experience you're down in Brisbane works for law enforcement. He's a very credible witness. And he's a police so, police person. Policeman. He works for law enforcement. He interviews crime. He's a crime scene investigator. He's a detective. Ah. So anyway. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So they this do has visit. Gone, this has mm-hmm. gone so quickly. I'm just looking at the time. Because, oh, dear. Um, this has gone so quickly. I, just, I could talk to you all day. But a few more questions. Sarah had so many questions. I said I didn't know if I could get through all of them. But do they have companion species like pets like we do? They have companions that they call family. It's adopted family, not pet. It's not lesser than them. It's equal right. to them. It's like adopting a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad. But a different So species. they consider it family of a different species. Yes. Wow. Correct. Yeah, well, pets are There are companion yeah. species that they pal around with all the time. Oh, what do they look like? Are they like... Um, a- Trudy came with a friend of hers that was a companion species Mm -hmm. and he she described his species as a scratcher and it looks like a large sloth with long claws long arms very furry picture a sloth with dreadlocks (laughs) and yeah like a poolie like a poolie dog and you'd be really really close to what his hair looks like and so his name is Bam Bam, or Bam Bam is what we've called it. The scratchers, like our parrots, can imitate any sound that they hear. Wow. So bit, his bit like vocal capability bird. is very different than theirs. Yeah, a bit like that bird we have. What's that bird that can mimic any sound? What's that bird? A magpie? Called? No, there's a bird um, that can mimic any sound. It can make sort of computer sounds and human mm-hmm, voice sounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a parrot... Mm-hmm. Right. There are what's, parrot species. What's their that can do that? energy source? Uh, energy source for the the Sandia uh, information station base. Just in general, I guess. What, what what do they? How do they power their? Yeah, like their lights and vehicles and yeah. Well, all right. This area is actively geothermal. There are a lot of hot springs mm-hmm. and a lot of underground activity related to the old volcanic fields here mm-hmm. and so yeah, yeah there are some there are some dormant volcanoes just west of town and uh, an hour north of us is the Valles caldera 
which is an old supervolcano that was larger than Yellowstone. Okay, so active geothermal is part of how they power things, but they have also explained to us that there is a recharge system when lightning strikes the earth here. And you have to understand that in New Mexico, we have more lightning strikes here than just about any other place on the planet. Mm. It's extremely dangerous. And so here, our news weathercasters say, if you hear thunder, take cover. And they mean it because it get, get ferocious here. When the lightning strikes the earth, in some system, some energy power system, it recharges it. How that happens, we have not asked. Mm. Um, we have general concepts. The, they have said that uh, they can power the skipper ships with just water. Mm. They don't always use that as a source, but it's almost like a backup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they have shown us an image of liquid that reminds me of silver mercury spinning mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. that yep. also is part of their power system and they have told us that their ships have a consciousness because it's an extruded vessel with no seams extruded from multi-dimensional space into our space and partially biological in nature mm. So their fleet master treats all of the ships almost like it's a herd of horses. Mm -hmm. I know that's a real different concept, but oh, it's the conscious fleet. The conscious. We have so much to learn from each other. We have so much. It's fascinating. It makes, I don't know, it makes being it, on Earth it, so it, it almost, exciting. one answer spawns another dozen questions. Absolutely. Every single conversation. Yep, yes. absolutely. We're there. There. Okay, there's another few questions here. She says, they typically live for 400 years lifespan. Is that right? Their, their lifespan. Poor yes. old Otter coughing in the background there. I'm going to send mm -hmm. you some angels, Otter. Uh, help you on that cough. Oh, it would help if you gave up the cigarettes. Um, okay, mm -hmm. typically 400-year lifespan True. is what they just said. What True. is their wisdom for us with the such short lives that we live? Like what, Make what? every day count. Make every day Live count. every moment like you don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow mm -hmm. love completely and don't sweat the small stuff yeah what's he saying best he said he today. did the best with his coffee he could do today he apologizes oh, bless him well you know sarah was saying that she's got a few struggles you know she struggles with criticism and some um sort of stressful thoughts and and she wonders if that um doesn't help her with her communication with them uh, she says she struggles with some upset in her growth and healing journey and sometimes it seems difficult on earth uh, with all these feelings obviously she's very galactic do you do they feel adverse to communicating with me if i have periods of struggle like so there's oh gosh no no oh no they struggle with concepts and ideas they are not perfect people and they don't expect us to be but what they do say is if you have a, an internal conflict or something that you know you need to work on within yourself, um, don't put it off, tackle it and move on and grow. Yeah, and it but doesn't They're inhibit, all about the growth. Yeah, it doesn't inhibit them communicating with her. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. 
Not at all. And she's got some interesting questions here about the afterlife. What is the dying process like for the Ponte and their afterlife experiences? These are, have you asked them those questions? Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, the passing and leaving the physical shell um, is um, grieved like we grieve, but it's also known that the consciousness shifts into the collective consciousness, which they have nicknamed the soup. Right. It, 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 it blends into the soup or the all, uh -huh. and that they simply shift to a different form of communication, knowing that when someone passes and leaves their physical body, that they may have other things that they have to spend their energy doing instead of sticking around to communicate with us. Yeah. And so they allow them the freedom to do what they need to do, knowing that if they really needed to ask them something, they could. So it's yeah. a, um, just a completion of the circle before it begins again. So in their dying process, do they need to get sick like we do, sick and old, or do they just like go, right, done, out, pop out of the body? <laughs> it depends. Um, if, uh, if a skipper ship crashes and there's an accident, that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. All right. If it's, um, uh, if they visit our world and spend a great deal of time here, another world, no matter if it's earth or another planet, mm -hmm. anytime you spend decades on a planet that isn't your home world's gravity, geomagnetics, um, atmosphere, it wears on the physical body and shortens a life. Right. Um, so, can they make a choice if they become 450 years old and decide, you know what, I'm done, I'm good, mm -hmm. I've done what I wanted to do, let's leave this shell. Can they choose to leave it spontaneously like that? Those discussions we haven't had. My guess would be yes, but I don't know that for sure. I'm getting yes, 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 yes. I'm getting, yeah, I'm very affirmative on that. Um, I can't imagine living 400 years or, or wanting to, but I guess if you're having a different experience than an earth experience or in an earth body and, and the stressful thoughts, it would be, yeah, it'd be different. Maybe, I wonder if time is different for them too. Do they experience time as we do? That's a very fair question. And I don't know if I know exactly how to answer that. Um, we've had some discussions with them about dates and calendars and time keeping that way. And they understand um, our division of the day into hours. Okay? Mm -hmm. They also understand our Julian calendar, although they don't use it. Mm -hmm. All star nations that visit our world use the universal Earth calendar, which is equinoxes, solstices, cross quarters, full moons, and new moons. Right. Because every star nation can calculate those very quickly. Right. The Julian calendar is a temporary one because calendar systems come and go with cultures. Yeah. But the equinoxes, solstices, full moons, and new moons do not. And so they're universal. We know that they keep track of Earth time. And the most important events that take place on Earth or meetings take place on those dates. Yeah. So we know that um, if there's a new batch of trainees coming in, it would likely be on an equinox or a solstice. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a huge meeting on the moon, it would likely be on an equinox or a solstice. 
You know, when I asked that question, what I got is that they do experience time differently to us because they know how to manipulate time. Um, Although the Pontees say that time travel is possible, they do not recommend it mm -hmm. because in their words, too many things can go wrong. Right. There are time observers. There are dimensional nations that are time observers uh -huh. because all time is happening at once and mm -hmm. the linear concept of time is a fallacy according to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But exactly. for ease of communication, because it's our experience, it's the way they talk to us. Yeah. Oh, darling, how are you doing? We're not even getting on to I think we'll have to do another show on Sasquatch. We might have to. There's so much that There's they've shared. So it's just much. a phenomenal. If people are interested in interacting with the Ponte, um, normally when the most common time frame they talk to us is somewhere between 5 and 7 in the morning. It's a shift change for them about dawn. Mm -hmm. And so... I will get up very early and get onto Twitter and share with them all the questions from the Twitter followers and then allow them to, to respond in their own words and in their own way. Um, they don't talk every day. They talked, I guess they would communicate most days. They have taught us a little bit of their language, but if you go to Twitter, you're looking for Sandia the ET or at Sandia Wisdom, all one word. Uh, if you'd like to see the evidence on the evidence page, or if you'd like to download the Telepathy 101 primer, which is free, from the document section, go to Official First Contact and peruse through there. If you scroll down the Frequently Asked Questions section, you'll see Ponte words and phrases and how to pronounce them. And so they're starting to share some of their language. And those concepts are fascinating as well. There's so much to learn. And I one guess... Of the, one of the things that you said at the beginning was that when you came to Otter's place, you had the communication, mm -hmm. but when you were at your place, you didn't. Is, mm -hmm. is the communication, and I'm just thinking last night lying in bed, I'm like getting nothing. And then as soon as I'm online with you, I'm getting heaps. Obviously, I'm in the same location, but being connected to you today has made a shift in that communication. Is there communication uh, specific to location of people in the world? So if people are in Europe or in Australia or New Zealand or Canada or other places and they want to communicate with the Ponte, can they? Yes. Um, telepathically? They yes. Yes, they can. Telepathy actually doesn't have a distance yeah, well, yeah. because you can... You could have friends in the United States and yeah. ping them and, and know that we do that amongst the contactees and experiencers all the time. Yeah. We become friends and know when each other is pinging. But um, for the most part, it's kind of like walking into a crowded room. There are people that are within earshot that can hear you easily and quickly. And then there are people where, you know, they're really not in your chat and you better pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. And so here in the Albuquerque area, it's very common for the gang in the mountain to observe what the local residents are doing uh -huh. and ping them or talk to the people that are just in this area because they're neighbors. Yeah, yeah. But can they also be in the mountain and ping somebody across the other side of the planet? Yes, they can. Yeah, they can. It's just like 
you can sit in Australia and remote view to under the Sandia Mountain yeah, exactly. without any problem. Same idea. You just have to make the effort to do that. Yeah. And you don't think about it all the time or you're not listening for it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. So for all those people listening and no matter where you are, that it, it, it is possible. And I think like whenever I teach somebody about psychic communication, it's just trusting. It's trusting you can, knowing you can, trusting you can, and, um, and, and letting the images that you get trusting that what you're getting is, um, is what you've asked for. Instead of thinking, am I making that up? Is that just we me take, making that up? We say, take the woo out of it. <laughs> Psychic skill is a skill like any other skill that you want to learn. If you wanted to learn to play the piano, you would say, uh, what do I need to do that? And, and your teacher would probably send you home with a practice book and a first lesson and say, when you've done this for a week, well, practice so 20, 30 minutes a day, come back and then I'll give you the next lesson. You develop a skill at the keyboard. You develop a skill with this in a very similar manner. Take the woo-woo-woo out of it, treat it like any other skill that you desire to learn. Yeah. Practice and get feedback. And your brain maps this new area of learning for you. It does, it does. And it can happen really quickly. I remember when my brother gave me my first computer when I was young, all my friends were doing secretarial college and I'm like, I'm nobody's secretary, I used to think. And I never learned to type. And so now I'm presented with a computer and I have to learn to type. And I thought, okay, how am I gonna wrap my head around this? And I thought, imagine if I knew how to type, what would that feel like? And I'd sit at the board and just go like this and just imagine that I knew how to type. And mm -hmm. I wasn't typing it. And it was easier, wasn't it? It was. It didn't take too long where my, I just kept telling my mind, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And I'm not the best typer. I make lots of typos. But just my body just started knowing. And, yeah, so it, could, it was really easy because mm -hmm. I knew because it was not something that I wanted to learn, but I knew I had to learn it because it was going to be mm -hmm. a part of my future. And, so repetition. Um, yeah. Repetition. So, Okay, uh, this is the last question because it's an interesting about archangels. She says, uh, we listen to people's show, there's people talk about angels all the time. Uh, Communica, have the Ponte viewed the 12? Do they work with the angels? Do the Ponte view the 12 archangels or do the Ponte have guides or anything like that that help them like we, we do? I think that's a great okay. question. Yeah. If you and I think about angels, would it be fair to say you're talking about a multidimensional being? Okay. The Ponte have said there are nations out there that naturally reside in more than one dimensional niche, environmental niche. They are multidimensional beings. Do multidimensional beings of all kinds exist? Yes, they do. Do the Ponte specifically only call on, say, angels? as one multi-dimensional nation to guide them not that they have told us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are they aware of more advanced nations that essentially can design planets yeah. design star systems yes yeah and so when they talk about dimensional and multi-dimensional beings, 
the scale is almost unimaginable yes. to us. Mm. And so our multi-dimensional beings, God, if I go to some Native American folks and we talk about the visitors to them that are multidimensional, they might use the term gods. If we look back in history at cultures across the world, have they termed the angels, the archangels, and the visitors from the sky to be gods or demigods? Many cultures did. Mm. The Ponte do not see them that way. Their concept of God or all of creation, they term the all. Mm-hmm. So the all is all consciousness merged together that creates everything that we experience. Yeah. You know, I was having this thought recently when I was a young naturopathic student in my 20s uh, and studying physiology and anatomy and, and seeing the complexity of the system and the beauty of the system. I just kept thinking, who designed this? Like, what intelligence designed this? And then I was pretty agnostic at the time. And then I thought, there must be some infinite intelligence out there that designed us. And I called it God, right? Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> that same infinite intelligence that I call God, I now call mantid beings designed a bunch of the DNA that, you know, makes up the makeup of the human body. So what I thought was God was actually a highly intelligent et advanced advanced in multi-dimensional yeah consciousness um Mm -hmm. but in saying that we are all god we are all an extension we are all a portion of creation yeah so so maybe a little part but we are a part what we as humans often say you know when you listen to religious talk you know god did this and god did that you know they're delegating it to a god but that god can be some multi-dimensional advanced nation that did this or did that designed the human body or you know that's a, possible yeah yeah so. so learning that kind of a history and getting that kind of a perspective mm-hmm. i guess we're going to have to ask the nations that are a little bit more advanced than we are to clarify a few things i got a lot yeah. of questions too yeah, lots of questions. And, and with every star nation and person and contactee that I've spoken to, they, they always say the same thing. They All of them believe in God. They call it the oneness. They just call mm-hmm. it the, the oneness. Or the all. Like mm-hmm. the yep, all. same the idea. Soup. The soup, yeah. Soup. <laughs> oh, darling one, it's just been fascinating. This has been fun. Thank you so much. For, you are for amazing. Just chatting and for the work that you're doing. It's just We're you know, just translating. That's all we're doing is we're just sharing with the world what they share with us. But they've got you working hard. You know, there's so much to yes. you do. Like you can have conversations with you on so many levels. You know, we didn't even get into the work that you did for the CIA and the, you know, like, you know, there's, I mean, I know that that was long ago and this is much more a kind of, um, you know, a now and, and um, what needs to be talked about now, but there's just so much to your story. And again, we didn't get into poor old Sasquatch, but I will, I'd love to invite you back. Well, we'll try and, and find another time to, yeah. to catch up with a whole bunch of other plethora of questions. Because and I'm sure that my little online tribe would love to meet you. So maybe you'd spend a couple of hours with us, you know, one day. That would and, be lovely. Yeah. And we do it on Zoom and, you know. That would people, be lovely. People I would love that. We just do what I do, you know. We yeah. Work and talk questions, just, you know, chat and stuff like that. Uh, thank you well, so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. And uh, Wednesday. 
Wednesday for us, Thursday for her. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, he says. Oh, yeah. I'm, Mystery I'm man in, speaks again. I mean, say goodbye, future. Otter. No. <laughs> goodbye, Otter. She's waving at you. Goodbye, Thank Otter. you so much. Goodbye, <laughs> we'll talk to you again sometime, sometime soon. And for everyone, blessings to you all. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye. Just fascinating. Just fascinating. Uh, we didn't touch on some many things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about healing. We're just having a bit of a chat there because my daughter's had a bit of a incident where she needs some healing. And, um, you know, as I think about the body healing, I was just saying to Sue, like the body has this innate intelligence. It knows how to heal itself. It knows how to regenerate, restore you know, anything that's, uh, if you injure it, if you cut yourself, watch your cut heal instantly. And so these Star Nation people uh, understand, you know, how that works and can speed up that process. I was just saying to um, Sue that I have done it. I've done it deliberately and consciously when I was stone cold sober. And I've also done it when I was at a wedding or a party once years ago and a friend fell over and gashed his eye. And he was drunk. He was in a feel of no pain. And I took him up to the bathroom and sort of wiped off the blood and put a Band-Aid on it. But I also psychically stitched it up in my mind and it just healed like that. And, um, yeah, I was, I was a little bit drunk then too and I just, I, you know, I just didn't think I couldn't do it. So I did it. It's just funny. It's funny how that confidence, you know, the confidence that I don't drink anymore, but, you know, the confidence that alcohol sometimes gives you, it's like, yeah, I can do that. Like when you think you can drive and you're totally drunk, you can't. But that confidence, that knowing that you can do these things like communicate telepathically or communicate with other life forms, be it any life form on the planet, off the planet, off world, star nation, when you know you can, you can. You just got to know you can. Yeah, fascinating. So we didn't talk about their healing. I did ask her just briefly, uh, do they get sick? And she said, yes, they do get sick and injured. So we didn't go into that because she had to go. But uh, there's so much more to talk about. And she said any time. So I'll, I'll have her back on the show and I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have her into the inner sanctum so we can all quiz her and ask her questions. And thank you, Sarah, for all your questions. There were more. We didn't get through all of them, but I think we, we got through many of them. And um, for people that are listening and watching, you know, the, the website, her website is amazing. Uh, Officialfirstcontact.com. And obviously, if you're watching the YouTube, you'll see it underneath. And uh, there's so many of them. Uh, all the pictures are there. Yeah, Sue and Otter, uh, you know, have been extensive and getting this information out there. It's, it's really quite amazing. But she said, you know, afterwards that she's got as many questions as I have. They've, they've got more questions for them too. So the questions continue and uh, the interaction continues. But isn't it exciting? Next year, August 2021, they said that um, the agreement that they had that we weren't allowed to photograph them will be lifted well, now that will be interesting. Obviously, there's been many photographs of craft, which are all over the internet, and people say, oh, that's fake, that's fake, it's, you know, CGI'd or whatever, but there are plenty of real photographs of craft and plenty of fake ones too. Uh, but when uh, August rolls around next year, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if there will be photographs, more photographs of uh, off-world off beings that come to visit us that shift their vibrational frequency so that we can actually see them. I think a f 
camera can capture different frequencies than our eyes because you know we don't see orbs that cameras capture and often there are spirits and things that you see on photographs that our eyes don't see so the camera does have the uh, digital cameras uh, and the more they advance the digital cameras on our phones, you know, on our phones these days, the more it has the ability of picking up different subtle frequencies. So, yeah, interesting. Never a dull moment on earth, is there? I'll tell you, we've got, we've got so far to go and so much to learn. And uh, if you're bored being here on earth, don't be. Develop your intuitive empathic abilities. Talk to off-world beings, you know. There's just, we've got, yeah, crazy times on planet earth, but. Uh, as Sue says, one of the things we have to learn is we have to learn to respect and love each other more. Stop lying. <laughs> Forgive those that have hurt you. Mend those broken relationships and uh, start thinking in a more deliberate, more positive way. Thanks again for watching. It's been a joy. And isn't Sue's artwork beautiful? For people listening on audio, definitely ask you to go and check out her artwork or have a look at the YouTube conversation I've had with her. And, uh, and I'd love to hear your stories with off-world beings if you've had any uh, telepathic communication or you've remote viewed or you've um, been abducted, uh, abducted, you've been taken onto ships or any of your experiences, I I'd love to hear. So uh, email me or put your comments on the YouTube and let me know what you've experienced, what sort of communication you've experienced. As we share this, as we... Um, expand this information get it out there you know that's how that's how we evolve our world and that's how we create more opportunities for contact for all of us it's about sharing our story so don't be shy don't think you're crazy or stupid if people you know if you share extraordinary experiences get it out there talk to some friends join a group send me an email whatever but yeah spread the spread the word spread the knowledge and thanks again for listening Who's coming up? Oh, I've got the beautiful Leah Scallon coming up, who is a singer. And she's connected to many, many star beings, sings the language of light and a musician. Uh, she's all over the internet, Leah, L-I-A, Scallon, and she has beautiful music. Uh, she's, she's, she's got whale and dolphin sounds on her music. She is connected to the consciousness of the cetaceans. And oh she's just gorgeous i think she's coming up next week or soon i don't know i should um i don't have my you know when i do these shows i don't bring up my calendar and i have all the information in front of me that's pertinent to the person uh yeah she's coming up next week and uh it's that ah dr northrop is going to come and chat to me she's fascinating she's been a doctor and a, and a member of hay house for many years she's got a big following but She's very into what's happening. She's got a lot to say. She's on YouTube. She's on Facebook every day yakking about her uh, perception of what's happening in our world. And I thought it would be interesting to share that perception from her perspective. And uh, another a fascinating woman, lots of women coming up on the show after that. And who's coming into the Inner Sanctum next? I don't know. It's on the website, Karen Swain slash Inner Sanctum. We've got many guests coming in, but I might get Sue to come in as a because I book the Inner Sanctum, I usually book it out at the beginning of the year. Uh, but because we're online every week at the moment, I might slip her in. I might slip Sue in this year as a sort of special guest, special a star guest, because she is fascinating. Mm. All right, I'm going to go and have some breakfast and answer all these phone calls and emails that I've got. And love you all. And thanks again for watching. Bye for now. <laughs>